The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Each year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the festival custom. After they had completed its days, as they were returning, the boy Jesus remained behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Thinking that he was in the caravan, they journeyed for a day and looked for him among their relatives and acquaintances, but not finding him, they returned to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions, and all who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you with great anxiety. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus advanced in wisdom and age and favor before God and man. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Well, good evening and Merry Christmas. I... uh, I had the opportunity of uh, serving at the uh, 4 p.m. Christmas Eve Mass, and it was so heartwarming because the parish was full. Uh, This this room was the St. Joe, the, uh, uh, the chapel downstairs. It was really good to see all the people here. And what made that especially good is that afterwards, as people were leaving, so many families were talking about they were in town and they hadn't been, you know, for the last year. And it was a coming together of families. It was just wonderful to see. And it just reminds us of how alive uh, this parish is. And so it was really, it was a a wonderful uh, opportunity for me to see that. And so um, it got me thinking about, so in our own house, um, we've had, uh, it, we don't have a large family, but uh, I have a daughter that lives away, and so she was in town, and uh, she's recently had, uh, it was eight months ago, but uh, twin baby girls, and so they were back, and we were going to do a baptism, and uh, so the house is more crowded. There's more hustle and bustle than we're normally uh, used to. Um, so I had a weird kind of strange uh, occurrence. I was... Uh, uh, cooking in the kitchen, and uh, my uh, older daughter and their two kids arrived, and they have a eighth grader and, or I mean, a eight eight year old and a three year old, and um, so I wasn't there when they arrived, uh, but I I come out into my living room, and I what I see is my wife and my middle daughter looking in that little hole in front of your fireplace where you regulate the gas. 
My three-year-old grandson, for whatever reason, decided to run in the house immediately when they got there. He found a small necklace, which was a gift for the baptism for one of the girls, immediately went over and thought it would be great to throw it in that little hole. And so I enter the room, and I'm looking, and they have a flashlight, and they're trying to see. They think he threw it in there, but they're trying to see it. And I'm thinking, how did, that ha- how did this all happen? Well, it's because we were distracted. And I started thinking about that concept of us being distracted when there's a lot of commotion. And that's really a good explanation for what happened uh, after the Passover. And Jesus and Mary and Joseph are headed back to Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is 90 miles. It's a three- or four-day journey. And they go in a caravan with a lot of other people, and obviously they're going to have stocked up with other supplies as they're heading back home. And so there's a lot of commotion and activity. And uh, if you watched uh, some years ago, there was a movie called Mary of Nazareth, and so she's explaining this to the apostles. And she says, you know how it is. Uh, all of that commotion of getting ready, all the people, and, you know, men in the front, women in the back, and as we read, there were other family members that uh, Jesus could have been with. They didn't realize it till they got to the end of the first day. So all of that commotion, again, what's happening? It's distraction. People are getting distracted from what's really important. Now, this feast day that we have today, the Holy Family, is a relatively new feast, 1921. It's been uh, celebrated for a number of years, but 1921 it became official. Uh, St. Pope Benedict, or uh, Pope Benedict XV, and he was concerned about the threat to the family unit, distraction away from the family, and he wanted to institute a feast that we would be refocused on how important the family is. And so we've been celebrating this since 1921, and our two readings today from Sirach, our first reading, and Colossians, the letter, uh, Paul's letter to Colossians, really has secrets, messages, to help us understand how to focus on the family the unity of the family. In the first reading from Sirach, uh, that book was written about 180 years before Jesus and Mary and Joseph, before the Holy Family. But it was written for young men to understand the moral life. And so this particular section that we read from tonight with Sirach really is focused on the fourth commandment, Fourth commandment being, honor your mother and father. And we can tell, as Sirach is saying, that there are benefits from honoring your father and for the authority of the mother over the sons. So we see that the benefits are sins are forgiven, prayers are answered, treasures are accumulated, and we have a long life. That's the message of Sirach, the reason that you live a moral life and that you have unity in the family. Now, in the 
uh, second reading from Colossians, um, Paul uses the concept of putting on Christ. He also says this in Romans and Galatians, but in this one he says, put on, and then he lists the qualities, and he says, put on compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with, other, with one another and forgiveness. So he's saying to put those on, and then he goes on and said, on, on top of that, just like clothing, on top of those qualities, put on love. And he goes further and he says, this love is a bond of perfection. This bond of perfection. And the Greek word for this bond of perfection can be translated in other places as a ligament. So when we think about what Paul is talking about, this bond of perfection, it's love working with these other qualities to infuse something that's deeper than we can give just on our own. And that's really at the heart of what we have to look at with our readings and what Christ is teaching us with the Gospels, that there's a way that he can work through us and we can do even more than on our own. So I, I follow a lot of uh, people. I do the uh, quotes that uh, come out in the morning if you get those. And uh, so I'm looking at a lot of people, Catholic authors and popes and saints, and uh, one of the favorite Catholic authors that I follow is Peter Kreeft. Uh, he's a writer and a, 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 a teacher uh, back east. And he's got two concepts that really is important for us to remember as we think about love. So listen closely here. He says, God cannot fall in love. For the same reason, water cannot get wet. It's already wet. Water can't get wet because it's already wet. God doesn't fall in love because he is love. He's already loving. That's something that we need to really think about. God is love. We hear that, but we need to, we need to make it ourselves. His second concept is... Most of the time, we think that love is something that is in us. And he is saying that love is really something that we are a part of. Because God is love and we want to be a part of love, which is God. So it's not something in us that we generate. Love is actually something that God, God creates and we want in us. That's that bond of perfection that works with what we have, our qualities. When you think about our kindness is okay, but our kindness when it comes from Christ and flows through us, that's much better. And that's how we're called to love our family, especially when we get together and things don't always go well. Now, the last concept I want to give you is, uh, at this time of year, many people look at uh, re-gifting is not very nice. Right? You get a gift and you give it to somebody else. When it, when it is the gifts 
of the Holy Spirit, of kindness and patience, when we are given those by the Holy Spirit and we use those and we re-gift them, the more we re-gift, the more they're entrenched in us, the more that we are that, because we're allowing it to work. So re-gifting is a virtue when we think about the gifts that we're given from the Holy Spirit. So I want you to continue to uh, enjoy the Christmas season as we celebrate over the next several weeks. And uh, God bless you all. Uh, And oh, by the way, um, we did get the necklace out of the hole. So I didn't want to leave you with that, but we did get that.